bless your name. We serve a good God. Amen. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. The greatest day in history. The death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have walked the day. Shout it out. Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, say now. Oh, happy day. Happy day. You watch my sin away. Oh, happy day. Happy day. I'll never be the same. And we say, I'm thankful, Lord, that you changed my life. Amen. Sing it out. We say that you outshaped me, Father. some praise this morning we serve a good god amen and this next song is a new song that we're introducing to you this morning about the river of god you know and the river of god is my mind the representation of his spirit but you know in god's presence in his spirit and that those times in his presence there's refreshing amen so as we continue to worship let's just keep our hearts open and engage with him amen together we bless your name Lord oh, Lord 
our heart this morning, that we'll follow you with all our heart. Lord, we love you, Jesus. And with this time in, in our service, we usually take a moment and, and we offer prayer and ministry, but before we do that, before the prayer team comes up, as we were singing this song, and even as this song was being chosen for this weekend and after the fact, the word, that word rescue just kept, you know, it kept staying with me, rescue, you know, and I, I was thinking about it. I was looking through the scriptures and I was looking at Peter's. As Peter stepped out to walk on water, you know, begin to get distracted by the things that were around him, right? 
He saw the winds and the waves, and he began to sink, and he needed somebody to rescue him. But when his focus, when his focus turned back to Jesus, when his eyes turned back on Jesus, Jesus pulled him out of the mess that he was in. Amen? Amen. And sometimes in our life, we get distracted. We, get, we become unfocused and think we're going great, and now they're not. And that can take on a whole uh, amount of different things and look in a million different ways for each of us. But as our prayer team comes this morning, if you're going through something this morning that you feel like you need Jesus to step in and pull you out of, our prayer team's going to go ahead and come to the front now. And if you need that, we're going to continue to worship. But as we do, hey, let somebody agree with you in prayer for whatever's going on in your life. Amen. I was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me, and I'll never be alone. Oh, to grace, how great a day. was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now the Savior knelt to wash our feet now at his feet we bow
now shines for all to see. Your
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. We will have our Thanksgiving meal and service on Tuesday, November 22nd. Our meal begins at 5.15. The price is $5 per person, $3 per child, and a maximum of $20 per family. You must RSVP by November 17th. The Church of the Rock Men's Conference is January 27th through the 29th at Pine Cove Retreat in Tyler, Texas. Sign up in the foyer or call the church office for more info. Balance is due by November 28th. Bring your used coats, sweaters, sweatshirts, hoodies in good condition for those in need during the cold winter months. Baskets are in the foyer. Sponsor a foster child for Christmas. We have adopted 10 foster children from our community. You can pick up a form in the foyer. 
Also, our angel tree will be up soon with children from our church who you can bless this Christmas. We are asking everyone who can to make the shift to Saturday night service to free up seats on Sundays for visitors. I made you beautiful, but you don't see it. I gave you joy, but grief and heartache rob you. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want I gave you strength, but fear consumes you. peace, but worry and anxiety overcomes you. I gave you power, but you never use it. I gave you love but you call yourself unworthy. touch, one word, one moment in my presence. It changes everything. I want to invite you to our 2017 Women's Conference. It changes everything. It will be held at Pine Cove Retreat Grounds on Lake Palestine in Tyler, Texas. This will be the perfect atmosphere for you to make friends with other women and to grow in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. More campaign has reached the $750,000 mark. We are so excited to be that much closer to our goal as we finalize the plans to start construction on our building to get more room to reach more people for the Lord. Well, amen. Welcome to Church on the Rock. Feel cool out there this morning? Can we officially say summer's over in Texas, maybe for a day or two? Amen. Well, good to see you here. Hey, uh, a reminder it is a new season. And I don't believe just politically, but I believe it's a new season in the spirit realm. Our ushers are handing out invites, that little bucket. So grab a stack of those because I believe God's doing a new thing. And it's not long. He's going to be coming back. And it's really about his kingdom. So let's invite people to church because that's the one place, first of all, they can get connected to their life source, God. Learn and have a relationship with him and grow and be a part of the family. So do a lot of inviting. Invite people because I believe. And again, I, I want to declare that to you. It really is a new season in the spirit realm, uh, just like there's a new season. And so we need to hear what the Lord's saying and be about his business. Amen. One other uh, announcement I want to make. 
is there's a men's retreat coming up. You saw the women's retreat. You saw the facility, a great facility, Pine Cove, Tyler, Texas. That's where the men are going in January. And, man, we need to get uh, you signed up and our money in by the end of this month. So sign up in the foyer. Uh, it's going to be a great time. This is a national type of a conference with big speakers there and a great, great facility. So those that have signed up, get the rest of the information in. We have about 20 spots. Sign up in the foyer. I believe it's going to be a great time for our men. God bless you. Amen. Well, turn in me, with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 15. As we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings, I wanted to read this verse to you. Verse 10 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. I wanted to share with you about a trip that we just got home from. 27 church members from here at Church on the Rock went with me to Chiapas, Mexico. We held women's conferences throughout the mountains. You purchased 400 blankets, 300 blankets to give out to women all throughout the mountains. We went to four villages in the mountains. We went to um, one uh, church in the city. These women are very poor. Some of them are all but barefoot. Children are barefoot. We brought in clothing. We brought in blankets. We prayed for them. We saw women healed. We saw them saved. We saw them delivered. We rejoiced. They celebrated. Did you see the pine needles on the floor? They welcomed us like we were celebrities. And this is, they cooked for us. And this is how they would cook for us in many of the villages. We, um, we, we blessed them. You see us giving out blankets at the door. We did a mama's store for the pastor's wife. We had a one-day pastor's wife's conference. We gave out children's clothing, and they got to pick shop sizes and things for their children and shoes for their children. Those scars were made by women in our church, uh, crocheting for missions, and they made scars, and we gave them out to the pastor's wives. And children's ministry, we ministered to hundreds of children. Um, in every village we went, they did kids' ministry. They taught them about the love of Jesus. They prayed for them. They gave them a chance to make decisions for Christ. And if I remember right, in one of the villages, uh, a large majority of the children res responded and received Christ. That was our children's ministry team. One of our pastor's wives was sick, and she was laying in a bed that was just um, a piece of wood. And she had blankets on top of it, no pillows. We bought her pillows and a mattress because of money that our church sent with us. We built a house. The men on our team built a house for a widow woman and her son. And this is some of the construction that they did while they were there. Tim is not a monkey. He is actually stringing electrical to the house. And this is the way it's done in Mexico. So, and this is the widow, the woman that, that was widowed, a young woman, her teenage son right there in the middle. And they have a house now. They have a roof over their head. God's blessed them. We dedicated the house. She fell on her face in Thanksgiving. Again, this is because you gave, because you give to the poor. And this was our last women's conference in the city of Tuxla with the Mexican church there. Packed house. It was incredible. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for giving to missions. Thank you for giving to the Lord. And because of your gifts, we're able to touch women and people around the world. God bless you as you continue with our offerings this morning. Three teens were arrested today for defacing the Kensington Park War Memorial overnight. The destruction includes painted messages against the military and the war in the Middle East. 
Some people sure have short memories, and those who are too young to know need to be taught. Come on, I, I want to show you guys something. God and country, I learned to defy gravity. To honor my family, I lived in the belly of a beast. I fixed the hearts of iron monsters. I became a worm in the mud for dignity, for honor, for righteousness' sake, for God and country. I fought for you. I fought for you. For you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you. For you. For you. For you. For you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you, and I'd do it again. I'm going to ask if you're a veteran of our armed forces or in active duty military now, why don't you stand to your feet and we'd just like to honor you this morning. Come on, why don't you stand up just a minute. 
We want to honor you today, the men and women that have served in our armed forces and in active duty today. We just say thank you. Come on, give them a big hand today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your service. Don't be seated just yet. I'm going to ask you if you're here, if you have family members that are serving in the military now, would you stand and join them right now? Keep standing, please. Come on, give them a big hand today for the sacrifices that your family has made to help keep this nation free. I want to like to pray for you if you'll remain standing just a moment. But how many know what we enjoy is freedom and what we take for granted every day? The fact that we don't have to go through military checkpoints when we go from state to state, that we don't have to show our papers everywhere we go. I mean, that's because freedom was given not only by our founders, but maintained by generations of Americans that have gone before us. And we just want to say thank you for your faithful service to our nation. Give them another big hand today. God bless you, everybody. We appreciate you very, very much. Amen. Well, today is about America. It's a day that we remember veterans. Started on Friday. You've seen flags all over town. America, in her core, is a religious nation. In our nation, in our our pledge, it's our actually our national motto says, "In God we trust." Our pledge of allegiance says we are one nation under God. And one of our great patriotic hymns says, God shed his grace on thee. Our declaration of independence proudly proclaims that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And people of faith uh, were vitally involved in the elections that we just had. Uh, as Americans, we have kind of been glued to the TV and the radio and, the, and your sources of information for about two years. But the presidential election, thankfully, is over. <laughs> yeah, it's over. But my question is, now what? Now what, after all the passion and the thought and, uh, you know, all the, what in the, what, what in the who's going to get elected and what's America going to be like? Uh, what, do we, what should we do now as Christians? We're watching the nations. Half the nation is jubilant. Half the nation is angry. What should I as a Christian do after the election of a new president? And that's what I want to talk to you about. I've entitled it, Now What? And I just want to, I want to be able to share this morning kind of some pastoral reflections. I want to share with you, obviously, some facts and some information that we know, kind of contextualize my, my message. But I want to share with you four things from the Bible that I would suggest to you are ways that you and I should behave in this, uh, this election, this new era. Uh, my text this morning is found in John's Gospel, John chapter 18, verse 36, when Jesus said this, my kingdom is not of this world. Can you say that with me? My kingdom is not of this world. Now, virtually everything in the election was about this world, whether it was medical marijuana on the Arkansas side, whether it was state representatives, whether it was a president, whatever the case may be. It was about issues that we face. It was about people that we would put our trust in to help lead and guide us in a direction that we felt proper. But there's something that's more important, the eternal kingdom of God. And I want to kind of balance these two worlds this morning. Uh, if I could just begin with some election, uh, some, some observations. How many are glad that election night is over? <laughs> oh, mercy. Anybody nervous on Tuesday night? Uh, I kind of had the jitters. I, I hung out with friends for about an hour or so, then went home, stayed up till 1.30, which is kind of late for me. Uh, but lo and behold, um, the drama is still swirling in my mind. 
There was an emotion just like, I don't know, I don't know what it's like to play in the Super Bowl or what it was like to win the World Series on that number, game number seven with the Cubs, but it, it kind of stays with you a while. Mr. Trump and Mrs. Clinton offered us two different visions for America, and as a people, we were basically divided half and half. Uh, half of us were very excited about the election results, and half of us were, were upset. Uh, but now we have a new president, but yet we still have a divided nation. And you don't have to look much further than Facebook or the news to see the, 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 the anger and hatred that's across much of America and also the jubilation. Uh, Mr. Trump made promises that were particularly important to people of faith. Uh, most, most people that are adherents to the Bible, most of them, at least the statistics and those that do studies, say that they voted for Trump. Certainly not all. You don't have to be a Christian to vote for either candidate. Uh, many of us had different priorities and felt that there were different, different uh, uh, key issues that different candidates represented. I have good friends across the spectrum. But bottom line, people of faith did vote for Mr. Trump because he made a number of promises to us. He said he would appoint Supreme Court justices that would, that would be uh, uh, originalists, that would be men and women that would interpret the Constitution as written. Uh, he promised he'd protect the unborn. He can't do everything. I mean, no, no president can do everything. President Obama, President Bush, you take your pick. They can do a lot, but they can't do everything. He did promise to repeal the Johnson Amendment. It was a law that was passed many decades ago that puts, uh, puts, uh, stifles freedom of speech from the pulpit. He promised to protect religious freedom. What we've been observing in the last probably decade or so is, is, as the Christian faith has begun to come under assault or attack in America, he promised to protect that, one of the first rights in the Bill of Rights. He promised to be a strong ally to the nation of Israel. It's my understanding shortly after, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, there is a promise that God made that those that bless Israel that he would bless and those that curse he would curse. Uh, my understanding, one of the first calls he made was a call to Mr. Netanyahu, the prime minister, to convey our support and our allegiance with him. Uh, he also said and did a lot of stupid things throughout his lifetime, but how many know I have to? <laughs> you have to. Amen. But one thing I did see him on the ca uh, campaign trail, he seemed to reach out to all Americans, irrespective of our race. And I know his values may conflict with some traditional racial interpretations, but I believe that he tried to reach out to all Americans, and I hope he continues to do that. We may be divided, but somehow we are still one nation under God. Uh, we didn't elect a pope or a spiritual leader, but a man that promised to protect values that many of us hold dear. Time will tell if he keeps his promises, but we need to pray daily for him. And as I said earlier, half of us uh, thrilled he was elected, half not so happy. If you've looked at the headlines lately, the first, actually probably the second day after he was elected, I, I looked at one of my main news sources and the headlines, three in a row, said this, calls for assassination on Twitter. President Trump, one young, young lady said, Trump ain't president till inauguration day. You guys still have time to assassinate both Trump and Pence. The next, uh, the next uh, uh, headline, black mob viciously beats a white Trump supporter. The third one, people have to die. CNN quoted a protester calling for violence. And then I looked around and I saw 20 uh, Hollywood actors say that they're leaving the country. <laughs> it's some of my favorite actors now. I don't know how I feel about that. 1,500 high schoolers. 
boycotting uh, the election, holding signs, not my president in Berkeley, California, petitions in Oregon and California to secede from the union, ESPN called for professional athletes to protest the White House. We as a country are a divided country. And what I would like to focus on kind of with that, I didn't want to stir up too much emotion, but I wanted to get just enough because it's out there and this division is out there. It doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong, but somehow now as Christians, what should I do now? As someone who believes the Bible, as someone who believes the Bible is the inerrant word of God, as someone who believes that all people have dignity in the eyes of God, all people created by God. I mean, if God created all people, then all people have dignity. I mean, if the second commandment says we're to love our neighbor as ourself, that's not optional for me as a Christian. I have to be different. I have to live the, the biblical way. Well, I want to share with you what I see as four biblical imperatives for us as Christians now that this election is passed. And here's the first one. It is that Christians must unify around Christ, not a candidate or a political party. Because here's what's happened. We have been divided on the basis of our political party. You've seen it on Facebook. Uh, friends perhaps have unfriended you. You followed conversations and said, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they believe that. How could they believe that? We are divided by different beliefs and values that our political parties embody. But how many know Christians are united by the cross? And whoever we voted for in the election is secondary, but we stand together today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We stand together today as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything else must fall secondary behind that. Galatians chapter 3, a foundational scripture for our, our unity and our diversity. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, will you say this with me? You are all children of God through faith. In Christ Jesus. How many would say I'm in Christ? I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I know Jesus as my Savior. For some of you that wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said, uh, that, was a, that was a hard one to pass on. But we're Christians because of what Christ has done. He went on to say, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And listen to this, verse 28. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile. This is the ethnic differences. This is the racial difference, distances uh, that are between us today. These are the barriers between races. It's out there. But in Christ, there's neither uh, Jew nor Gentile. There's neither racial difference. There's neither slave nor free. This is a picture of our social differences, the, the, the rich and the poor and everyone in between. In Christ, it must fall. There is neither male nor female, the gender differences that are between us. This is not, do I love women, hate women, should first woman president, second woman... In Christ, there's neither male nor female, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, there's neither Republican or Democrat, and my primary allegiance isn't to a polit politician or political party, it's to Jesus himself. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. We are a part of something bigger and more important than the party that we voted for. Jesus reminded us in John 18, 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now that doesn't mean I have, if I could just share just a little bit what moves me. I believe my greatest job as a pastor is to first of all live a godly life, an example. 
Second, I believe it's when we open the Bible together, it's to help make the Bible, a book that was written 2,000 years ago, to cultures vastly different from ours. It was intended to, 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 to bring that Bible into relevance today. And I very much believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. When I come to the pulpit, I have a Bible. I have a Bible on my iPad, but I don't have it here just, to, just as a decoration. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And how I many know oftentimes the Bible will, will come in, 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 in contrast to our culture? How I many know our culture has said for a number of years, our culture has been saying, we don't want God in our culture. And it made up this, this uh, lie that Thomas Jefferson never intended called the separation of church and state that has for decades now been moving the influence and the role of Christianity and the church and religion removing out of the public sphere. Well, how many know if you're a believer in the Bible, you know we're supposed to be salt and light in the earth, that our influence is supposed to go everywhere. And as I have endeavored to teach you over the last several weeks in the election, I've tried to do my best to try to take biblical principles and show you where parties stand and what candidates believe. And I know it's been a little awkward at times. And I want to ask you if I said anything that offended you, number one, or if anyone else as a Christian has offended you in some way, I want to ask for your forgiveness. Because it's a very difficult line to walk because I stand before you. God created me. I'm 59 now. God, I was born in 1957, and it was the will of God. It was the will of God that I be born, I was born white. You may be born as a Caucasian, you may be a different race, but how many know our identity and who we are is not an accident, God made us that way. And I've done my best to move past my biases that all of us have and try to present a, a, a biblical approach to what we deal with every day. And I hope you don't harbor any, any, any anger or hatred or bitterness towards any Christian, because if you do, I want to ask for your forgiveness right now, I want to ask you to give it. Because if not, what Satan wants to do is, guess what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to divide. Satan wants to hurt and harm. But in Christ, friends, we are one. Come on, somebody give the Lord a, a good hand today. The second point, vastly needed by, uh, uh, by the world right now, is Christians must heal the hatred and the hurt in America. Let me say it again. Christians must heal the hatred and the hurt. I don't know if our president will be able to do this or not. And there's a number of reasons. I, don't, I, I, I believe that's his in desire. I believe that's his intention. I had hoped that was the intention of President Obama. Uh, when he became the first African-American president, uh, I had hoped that racial tensions would become better in America. But it seems like it's become worse. How many know at some point a politician cannot unite us? How many know but Jesus Christ is the great uniter? Jesus Christ is able to, 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 to use us to heal the hatred and hurt. And just some of the things, if I could, uh, could read what I've been reading as of late. Uh, in Utah, some high schoolers uh, reported Latino students being bullied. One student whose parents are Mexican immigrants said she was told, you wetbacks need to go back to Mexico. Uh, there was an African-American woman in Delaware at a gas station, and she heard four white men near, near her discussing Mr. Trump's victory and how glad they were that they wouldn't have to deal with the N-word any longer. Now, how many know words like this should never come out of the mouth of a Christian? How many know if I'm one in Christ and I harbor these attitudes, I need to repent of them? How many know if there's something in me, you know, that's racist, that's prejudiced? How many know I need to bring that to the cross? But what you've been reading and what you've been seeing in America is not just bad white people against other people. How many know there's hatred on both sides? 
uh, I read an article about a little boy, 11 years old, here in Texas, assaulted by his classmates. His classmates, people of color, uh, they had a mock election in the class, and, and he supported Donald Trump. And there were some boys in the classroom that said, who voted for Donald Trump? And the little boy said, I did. And then they, one of them, or the, the young man came over, jerked him out of his seat, and before he could get up, they started kicking him and punching him, 11th grade. I watched a video of, of a man and a, a white man get out of, out of his car for some reason. I guess it broke down at an intersection, and I think he had a Trump sticker on his car, and he was violently beaten by a, a, a racial mob just simply because of the color of his skin. How many know these things, no matter what our color of our skin is? How many know it's the red blood of Christ that washes all our sins away? And there is a racial tension in America today. I'm sad to say it is, but I want to invite you to join me to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Amen. There was one last little story here. Uh, there was a Muslim uh, young lady. She's 18 years of age in Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana, a college student. You can read about her. She said some white guys, she had her hijab on uh, across you know, her face, uh, face, her scarf, and she said they took her hijab and they, and, and they took her uh, billfold. The only problem was when police investigated it and the cameras and things came out, it was not true. And she made it up just to foster what's going on in America today. And we live in something going on in our culture that we are manipulated or attempted to be manipulated by folks. We heard the media how wrong they were. Not, uh, virtually not hardly any of the pollsters were right about how America would vote. And it's almost like there's forces that just want to kind of pit us against each other as American people. And I want to caution you, be careful of who you listen to and what you believe, but let's let our commitment and our allegiance be to Christ and the cross, come on, and to bringing his love across lines of division and hatred in our nation today. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Oftentimes we, we say, uh, we want God to bless us and help us. Well, Jesus tells us who will bless Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called children of God. It's Christians that are called to turn the other cheek oftentimes when there's, when there's violence and hatred. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we are not to be overcome by evil, but we are to do what? Overcome evil with good. That is, whether we post on Facebook whether we're extending a hand rather than putting our hand in our pockets, whether we're showing kindness to a stranger that may be different from us, I'm telling you, friends, the power of good and the power of love is greater than the power of hatred in our world today. And I feel so strongly about this. I'm going to start a series next week to go through the holidays called Love Wins. I, I, was, I was riding, uh, coming to church a couple days ago, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just challenge me to start a crusade of kindness because, again, we cannot just look at Washington and read news reports about how we're going to relate to people. But if each one of us will make, make a choice in our hearts that I'm going to do my best to reconcile, come on, with my brothers and sisters, with people that are different from me. I'm going to be kind to people that are of a different race than I am. I'm not going to let evil come out of my mouth. I'm not going to laugh at jokes that slander a person because of the color of their skin. Come on now. I'm going to do my best to be a force for good on the earth. And I think, friends, if we do that, our nation and certainly our community can see a change around us because people are watching us, friends. This 11-year-old boy that was beat up in class was not because of 11-year-old. It's because of the influence of the adults that were in his world. Preaching a little better than you're amening this morning. Let me, let me give you one more. And I know I've kind of brought up some of that 
election tension. Maybe you can just reach in front of the person in front of you. Well, maybe you may not know them. Uh, if, you're, if you're here by a friend, you might just rub their shoulder just a little bit here if it just gets to a, a, a little tense in the church house. But don't you think the church house needs to be a place of truth? Don't you think we need to be able to talk about things the way they are in our world rather than sweeping them under the carpet? Let me tell you the third thing I think Christians need to do. We need to rechannel our election zeal into our primary purpose. Let me say that again. We need to rechannel the passion that we felt in a biblical direction that I'm going to describe to you. Uh, many of us, and, and certainly me, were consumed by the election. And I have to admit that I was. It's like 24 hours a day there's news that's going on. 24 hours a day your Facebook is going off and it's beeping you and messages are coming up. You need to, you need to find someone to tell you how to turn the little beeper off there. I mean, you'll go crazy if you answer that thing every time it tells you somebody wants to talk to you. It, it whipped us into an emotional frenzy and it dominated our thinking. Is that a fair statement? But again, my question is, now what? Now, where is my passion going to go? Am I just going to just take a deep breath and just enjoy the holidays and try to get back to normal? Or am I going to re redirect my passion into what should be something that's biblically healthy? And it's this, my friends. Our primary purpose was given to us by Jesus himself. It's one of the last things he said in four of the Gospels in the book of Acts before he went back to heaven. Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is someone who follows Christ. It, it starts with things just as simple as sharing this little invitation card. It is praying with people to commit their lives to Christ. It is praying over our food to, in public places to be an example to people so that we can go to them with the witness of Christ. It is helping people live the Christian life. And Jesus said there's nothing more important. The book of Acts said that they were to go telling people about him everywhere. It is called the Great Commission. And in the early church, it said of them that they were so impassioned about this that they turned the world upside down because of this message of Christ. It's what Linnell showed you these pictures in, in, in Mexico. Why do they do that? I mean, she abandoned me for about 10 days. No, I'm proud of her. Why did she do that? She did that because we both carry a burden to take the gospel to the whole world. Why do we go in, in, in inner city neighborhoods at four different places during the week and have Sunday schools for the kids that live in the apartment complexes? Because we believe the greatest thing a Christian can do is to take the gospel to all nations. Well, why do we put money in the globe for Bibles? And then we just recently have sent, we've probably sent now 2,200 to 2,500 Bibles to Syrian refugees on the Turkish border. Why do we do that? Because the Great Commission. Because lost people matter to God. We generally believe that everybody is going to spend uh, somewhere for all eternity in heaven or hell. And I believe the greatest responsibility that we have as citizens here of the Arklatex is to make, make it hard for people to go to hell. Come on from Texarkana, USA. That we, we want to populate heaven. And that's what Jesus said the main thing was. And I want to challenge you to join me. Let's keep that as the focal point of our church. And we do that by keeping that the focal point of our individual lives, influencing people for Christ. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand this morning. And this only comes from the church. Mr. Trump is not America's savior. Mrs. Clinton would not have been our savior. 
Jesus is our Savior, and we're the instruments to bring him to the world. A dear friend of mine, his name is, is David Shibley. Uh, he said, as it was before the election, so it remains. Notice, it says, the focus is Jesus, the message is the gospel, and the task is the Great Commission. Can I say that again? As it was before the election, so it remains. The focus is Jesus. The message is the gospel. And the gospel is simply the good news of Christ, that he came to die for our sins. He was buried, and the third day he rose from the grave as King of kings and Lord of lords. It's taking that, and that's the task. It's called the great commissioning of Christ. And I want to suggest to you as I head towards the end, there's three dangers that you and I could, could face as we go into the future. And the first one is, is we can stay angry and divided. If something has gotten a hold of you, how many know what the devil wants to do is he wants to divide? And if, and if somehow Satan has caused you to bite into an offense, John Bevere's book called The Bait of Satan, how many know an offense is like a trap and once your foot's in it, you're caught? How many know if you're a fisherman or if you've done commercial fishing, they have what's called hoop nets or trammel nets, or, or you may have just be a bass fisherman. How many know when that hook gets in that fish's mouth, how many know that fish is heading towards a certain end? It is trapped. And that's what Satan wants to do by anger, because I promise you, friends, if you're not careful, you can expose yourself to people that want to keep the anger going, keep the dissension going, keep the hostility going, keep the unfairness going. Come on. And it's out there. And if you cut people off that are looking for unity, that are looking for, for, for Christ, that are exalting Him, that want to build walls of, uh, of unity rather than walls of hatred, how many know, friends, you'll find people that's out there. And the first danger I would suggest to you is be careful. You need to let it go if anger or hatred has got you. But the second thing is just as dangerous. The second thing is that we can lapse into lethargy thinking that everything is okay now. We have a president that, that's, kind of, that, that, that's promised to do some things that we think is going to help us have more of a quiet and peaceable life, that we'll be able to enjoy religious freedom as we used to. Be careful, friends. He's one man. How many know? Listen, President Obama had some, had some, some great visions for the nation that he was not able to do. No one man. I don't care who they are. I don't care. George Washington, they tried to make him a king. Did you know that? He said, I won't do that. I won't go back to what the government that we had. No one man can do that. We have a Congress. We have, listen, the same people that hated Mr. Trump, the establishment and the media and all the people, they still hate him. And there's a world of people in America today that wants to, wants to stop, wants to do everything they can to make the two, next two years as hard as possible and then get different people in elected office so they can totally, are you with me? You and I cannot fall into lethargy. You and I cannot just assume that everything's going to be okay. Uh, Dr. Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, he toured the capital, went to the capital of every state in the Union. And he went there with one specific purpose, calling people to pray for America. And they prayed for America. And I want to encourage you, friends. Donald Trump is not my answer to America's problems. Jesus Christ is my answer to America's problems. Are you with me today? 
I hope and pray that God will use our new president to lead America in the direction we need to go. But let me know we cannot get off our knees because America is still in great trouble. America is in as much trouble today as she was the day before the election. How many know it's the power of God that can change the nation? Because unless the Lord builds the house, the Bible says, our labor's in vain. I'm going to get the rest of you before I'm done here this morning. Let me give you a third thing that we have to be careful of. Distractions can take our focus off the main thing. Distractions. What do you mean, Pastor? How many know pigs, Aggies, and cowboys are all important? Sure they are. The cowboys, what are they going for today? Number eight? What, what, what time today? Do you know? Anybody? Three o'clock. Lord, we want to pause right now. It's important. How many know duck hunting is really important? Okay, if you want to do some serious praying, this preacher needs some water from heaven. Come on now. Duck hunting is very important. But there's something more important, and it's not the Christmas sales that are coming up either. It's the eternal kingdom of God. And we've got to be careful because if we're not careful, we can go from the election to football to Christmas to more football to Thanksgiving, to the New Year's, and then ski boats in the summer. And if we're not careful, we'll slip by the opportunity. Uh, the greatest opportunity we have is expanding the kingdom of God around the world. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand. I'm going to close with this. Again, is I, what I believe, and this is just kind of a pastoral reflection this morning. Next week, we're going to start a series called Love Wins, and we're going to talk about deliberately going out and showing kindness and reconciliation in our world in the holidays. But I believe the Lord is telling us that we need to unify around Christ, not a candidate. We need to heal the hatred and hurt in America as a Christian. We need to rechannel our election zeal into our primary purpose. And here's the last one. As I've been saying for several weeks, believers must pray daily for our leaders in America's future. Let's read this scripture one last time. Paul, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, first of all, pray for all people. And here's how we're to pray. Number one, we ask God to help them. And he kind of repeats himself. Intercede on their behalf. And then he says, give thanks for them. And then he tells us very plainly, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. How am I to pray? I'm to pray that God would help them. I'm to pray, and then I'm to give thanks for them. You say, what if I don't like them? That doesn't matter. They probably don't like you either. I'm to pray for them. I'm to pray for those in authority, and I am to thank God for their behalf. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Why? So we can live a quiet and a peaceful life. That's what we all want. That, listen, that's what everyone in America wants. We want to be able to have a life for our children where they don't, they're not afraid that a gang in school is going to mug them. We, we, want to have, we don't want to live in a nation where there's fear, where you've got to make sure you got your pistol before you go in the grocery store. We want to live in a nation where we don't have to be afraid to express our Christian faith. We want all of these things. Everybody does. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care of your religious background or your political affiliation. I mean, all of us want to have a peaceable life. All of us want to have a prosperous life. All of us want to have enough money to be able to retire one day. And all of us hope that there's going to be money in Social Security and all these things. Well, the Bible says there's a key. It's by praying for those in authority. I posted this post on, uh, on, on election night. I said, 
in the morning when I wake up, the first thing I'll probably do is look down at my phone. And I look down at my phone, more than likely I'm going to see a picture of Mr. President or Madam President. And the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look up to heaven, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and thank him that he's still in control. And then I'm going to begin praying for my president-elect. And that's exactly what I did. I'm going to encourage you to join me in this. A friend of mine texted me, a pastor friend, and said, well, what do you think about it all? I said, here's what I think about the election. I think the Lord has extended to us as American people religious freedom. And I think he has extended to us a quiet and peaceable life. And I think he's given to us the opportunity to bring the gospel around the world. And I'm committed to do it. And my friends, I want to ask you to join me in this. That you would join with me in healing the wounds that have broken our nation. That we would be a voice of peace in a troubled world. And that we would keep our eyes focused on the main thing, which is bringing people to Christ. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today, and we're just going to close with a prayer this morning. I'm glad you came this morning. But I'm going to encourage you to kind of set a resolve in your heart. I don't know what your prayer life is like, but I hope you'll take some time every day. For some of us, it might be in the evening before we go to bed, you get on your knees by your bedside. For others, it may be you get up in the morning, you get a cup of coffee, and once you've stabilized yourself, you, 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 you walk around the neighborhood. For others, it may be in your car on the way to work, and you turn off all the noise, and you just talk to God. But whenever you do, would you just take a moment or two and pray for our leaders? This is all leaders. Certainly, it's not just our president, but it needs to include him. It needs to include our Congress, our court system, our spiritual leaders in our nation. But could we do that now just a moment? Lord, we do want to obey what the Scripture says, and we want to pray for those that are in authority over our lives. We want to say thank God for them today. We want to say thank God first and most importantly that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords and that all nations will one day bow before him. But today we want to say thank you today for President Obama and what he has done to help our nation. We want to pray, Lord, that the, the, the last few days of his uh, term as president will be days, Lord, that are advancing the best interest of our nation. My prayer today, Lord, is that he wouldn't do anything that's going to be harmful to anyone. God, I pray, Lord, for he, his wife, his children, all those that have surrounded him. I just want to pray, Lord, that you would draw all of them closer to you. Because that's what the Bible says every one of us need. We need a close relationship with God. I pray the same thing for President-elect Trump. I pray that he, Lord, would have a dramatic encounter with you. I pray that when he becomes our president, that he would start every day in the place of prayer. I pray that you would use him to unify our nation. God, I pray that you would use him in ways to, to disarm the critics. God, I pray for him even now as he's selecting cabinet members and, and people in positions of authority in the administration. I want to pray that the right men and women would be placed in these positions of power. Come on, pray that with me right now. Father, we pray that the right people would be there. Not just people that kind of make us feel good or just we necessarily agree with, but the right people that are going to have a tender heart to God and that are going to act with mercy and justice brought together. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would use this man. We pray that you would use him in the future. And God, we pray that America would once again become one of the greatest nations on earth in terms of its capacity to send the gospel. God, we humbly apologize to you because somehow we've lost you as the center of our orbit in America. If we tried to come up with the Declaration of Independence and the Pledge of Allegiance and 
our national motto and include God in it today, we'd be mocked and ridiculed. Something's happened to us, and we want to ask you to forgive us. God, we want to ask you to once again let your sweet Holy Spirit blow through America. Come on, could you pray with me right now? Let a wind of healing blow through our nation. Unite a divided nation. Bring love where there's hatred. Bring kindness where there's wickedness. Heal those that are disfranchised and hurt. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. God bless all those that are serving as veterans, that have served before and are serving now. Our military, our police officers, our firemen, all the first responders, all those that work in national security and home security and all these things. God, we pray for America. God bless the USA. In Jesus' name. I'm going to close this way. I want to have opportunity for a personal prayer for you. We'll sing one song and, and then dismiss. Here's what I find, that whenever we open the Bible and talk, God always speaks to us. I'm a gardener. I love to get my hands in the dirt. I was raised in the country. And when I get ready to plant a row, I take my tiller and I till it up and, and I rake it smooth and then I'll make a little furrow. I'll turn the rake around and make me a little furrow and I'll put some seeds in it. And then I'll kind of pat those seeds. If they're lettuce or if they're spinach or something, whatever, I'll pat the seeds so that they'll grow. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit has kind of put a seed in your heart about something today. Maybe something is just kind of pulling at you and you won't want to connect with God before you go. Could we pray for you? Maybe this is still a little bit emotional for you and you want to leave something at the altar. We'd be honored to pray with you today. We'll pray about anything. But most importantly, friend, we'd like to pray about your personal relationship with Christ. You know, I was raised in church and going to church is a good thing. It'll make you a better person, I promise you. There's even statistics that show that. People that are committed to church are less active to be involved in criminal activity. But friends, going to church, as good as it is, won't get you to heaven. I mean, there's only one thing that can get you to heaven. That's the forgiveness of our sins. And that's what Christ offers us. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. I was raised in church all my life, but I never knew I had to make a personal commitment to Christ. And that happened to me on August 15, 1976. I felt I was being drawn to God. I just felt an emptiness in my heart because God was like on the shelf. He's what I, what I did on Sunday morning for an hour. But now Christ is at the center of my life because one day I asked for his forgiveness and I committed to follow him. And I wonder if that's what you need today, a fresh start with Christ. If that's you, I'm not inviting you to join our church now. You're certainly welcome to, but I just would just like the opportunity for someone to pray with you as you commit your life to Jesus Christ. So whatever your prayer needs may be, our prayer team is going to come across the front right now. They're just going to line up down here for you to pray for you. And if you want prayer for anything, you come. Go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Nick. You want prayer, just slip out of your chair, let us pray. Most importantly, if you need to get right with God, you come let somebody pray for you. I love you very much. Thanks for coming. Eternity spoken, righteous we stand. The church will rise, declaring your kingdom, shouting your freedom, the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, your name is alive, but now your redemption draws them to our lives.
Continue to worship through this song a few times. And the prayer team that will remain around front, they'll pray with you about anything. But if not, hey, you're free to be dismissed. God bless you. Hope you have a great week and look forward to seeing you next week. I walls fall down, the strongholds I broke, eternity spoken, righteously stand.